Welcome to Infinitely Rational, where we discuss the real eccentric and complex history of mathematics. Brought to you by Mathematical Expressions. I'm your host, Natalie, the resident math nerd. And I'm Kay, your researcher of weird things. In this episode, we'll answer the following questions. How do you get your friends to cook all your meals? How can you get that free hospital room upgrade you're looking for? What do either of these things have to do with math? Let's find out. So we're going to continue our story about Paul Erdős, and we're going to start talking a little bit about how he spent his time, his possessions, etc. One of the things that I loved reading about mm-hmm. was that he did formally lecture and teach. He was a teacher. And okay. So he was an absent-minded professor. He was. But... He also, remember how much he loved math, and we talked about how he collaborated with, wrote all these papers. Sure. So, he had an assistant who could take over at any moment in case he had the urge to suddenly leave and go do math with someone, a mathematician. I'm sorry, he had an assistant who could... I want that. He he could go, my people need me, and run away. (laughs) I imagine him in a cape. A silk cape has to be, obviously. I just see this as, yeah, this just needs to be a show. Where he just runs off all that just starts, My you know, people need me. It's a, it's a Superman moment. He starts pulling off his silk suit. You know what it is? Someone's holding his cape. The fan right? is blowing, right? And he's standing there, arms on his hips. That's why he was always running off into oh, walls. Yes. <laughs> Clearly. Well, so in addition to having an actual job. Uh-huh. He he was not a poor guy, despite the fact that he he went around in rumpled suits and he didn't have a lot of clothes. Look <laughs> at that. Yeah, he wasn't poor. He made quite a bit of money because he would win mathematical prizes. Some of these would total up to fifty thousand dollars. Intense. Yeah, so he was winning a lot of money. Plus, being an instructor, he was getting a salary, but he'd give it all away. He only kept. The bare minimum what of what he needed. So he was a real neoplatonist. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know Patterns if he had any. Everywhere. He definitely didn't have cloaks. We know exactly <laughs> what he wore. But yeah, he'd give it away. He'd give it to everyone. He'd give it to colleagues. He'd give it to students. He'd give it to strangers. He was notorious for giving money to the homeless. You know, there is a story where he nearly, he gave away, what, nearly a month's salary? Yeah, an entire month's salary to a beggar who was just asking for money for a cup of tea he sat there and he took out the money and he said well this is how much i need here you have the rest that is so intense Mm -hmm. can you imagine that guy could i please have just enough money for a cup of tea here's an envelope with with (laughs) hundreds of dollars in it by a guy who also looks like he might be homeless (laughs) why was he begging him i guess right like that is not the guy to ask for money if you were gonna peg one maybe that's why he only asked for a cup of tea (laughs) i'll get my dinner elsewhere well you know there's also a story that he lent something like a thousand dollars to help pay for the tuition of a student who was trying to go to Harvard. And then when the student tried to pay it back, a young mathematician, uh-huh. and when he tried to pay it back, Erdish said, no, 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 no. I don't want it back. Tell him to do with it what I did. So pay it forward. Uh-huh. Which is really impressive. That is really It nice. makes me like him a lot. A lot. As we got into all of these research, all the sources, I love this guy more and more. He reminds me of someone that's 
Honestly, he reminds me a little bit of my grandfather, who was not <laughs> anywhere near as eccentric on the scale. But you just have this love for this man. After reading about him, I'm so sorry that I never got the chance to meet him. Right? I just missed him. <laughs> just a little bit. But, you know, he also offered up money in lectures to sometimes spur people on to solve problems. Well, that'll definitely get more class participation. <laughs> The amount of money that he offered depended on how hard he thought the problems were. Fair. And so there was one time that I was reading, he offered, I think it was like $25 for some problem. Mm -hmm. And his, you know, some, he's, he's like, this will take him a minute. But before you could even finish writing it, they had solved it in a different <laughs> way. And he was like, oh, man, I should have thought of that. <laughs> it was so obvious. Yeah. It was and, trying to be a teachable moment and it and wasn't. And it just failed. <laughs> <laughs> In addition, he also offered cash prizes on problems he couldn't solve. And somebody actually asked him, you know, because he kept offering all this money. Mm -hmm. What if people solved every single problem that mm -hmm. you presented? Yeah. What What would you, could you pay it all? Right. And he said, well, no, it's like a run on the bank. First right. of all, it would never happen. But second of all, no. <laughs> of course not. It's an investment in the future. <laughs> Yeah, actually, his largest cash prize was $10,000. But he, he said, look, it's this hopeless. Good for him, you know? Yeah, it's this hopeless prize. It's a hopeless problem in number theory. He said, I don't think I'm ever going to have to pay it out. But you know what? I should probably leave some money in my just will in just, just in case. Which, again, right? You, you throw something out there. You're like, shoot for the moon. Here's a carrot on a stick. I'm never going to have to pay that out. But he <laughs> but still thought, yeah, he still thought, no, I better, I better leave some money just in case someone does. And you want to hear something really, really nice? Please. Now that he's passed on, mm -hmm. a couple that he was friends with, as well as a Dallas banker, mm -hmm. they've offered to pay the prizes himself to continue this. Oh, Isn't that, that is, nice? That is really nice. So, so in that way, he's inspiring all these young people mm -hmm. to continue on pursuing mathematics the way he did. Yeah. Which is really, I like that. I think that's really neat. You know, and, and just like money, because he didn't, he really he wasn't really didn't care yeah. about it, right? He really had very little interest in anything that wasn't math. In fact, he said that if he could no longer do math, he would have to commit suicide. That is is really because remember extreme. his language right 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 you know what i'm thinking now hmm. so he didn't really care about money right he used these as prizes right what wasn't our argument with hypatia in fact i think it was your argument with hypatia <laughs> that she needed that money right oh, to educate man. the masses stop I think this trying is, to this is <laughs> she just more, is a ninja spy <laughs> this is just more evidence to your point that yes <laughs> she needed that money to inspire more people that's clearly what he was doing that's how he chose to use it <laughs> regardless you know we we said it before he kind of is a neoplatonist in mm -hmm. a way he he really didn't hold on to his possessions which also would have made him a prime candidate for our pythagorean mm -hmm. brotherhood but he was he silent though he was not he was definitely not oh, silent wait, there is a story about him being silent that we'll talk about later yes a I little bit wait. later yeah, so okay good <laughs> he is 
Pythagoras of this century. Got it. All he really cared about possession wise Mm -hmm. were his notebooks. He had, I think he had something like 10 different notebooks by the end of his life and he would just carry them around and Uh fill them with mathematical proofs. And he took them everywhere. Uh He even took them. So he had a friend who Uh had twins and they were having a bar mitzvah and he was invited and he shows up. (laughs) looking you know like he did like he did and he has these tattered he has a tattered (laughs) notebook and he's just standing around doing math and apparently his friend's mother-in-law tried (laughs) to throw him out because she thought he was a homeless guy who is this vagrant and why is he here (laughs) get him out and then meanwhile she's throwing out like one of the great minds of the ages and i think he gave like a really good gift or something yeah he brought a present and everything he really liked children epsilons so epsilons Uh correct and so this boss tried to throw him out (laughs) (laughs) you know this isn't the only instance of (laughs) although he liked children Uh right and yes he called women bosses but it's not that he didn't like women he just (laughs) I imagine it had something to do with probably a lot of his mathematician friends at the time were mm-hmm. males. So I imagine that <laughs> they got called away to do different things with the family, <laughs> unlike him. And so he probably that was probably a, a, a quick uh-huh. label for them, <laughs> for the women that were bossing their husbands around. But he personally, he didn't marry. He didn't have children. He didn't have hobbies. He, he didn't even have a home. He didn't have pets. Nothing. Yeah, because you said the other, the story that I think we talked about in the last episode, he would say, is this fascist dog, you know. Right, he wasn't a fan of the animals. Right, but what was funny I read was that when he went to his friend's house, he would call the dog the fascist dog. Mm -hmm. But then he would always be happy. He was like, oh, I see I'm remembered. You know, (laughs) that the dog liked him. So it's funny. But he also, he said television is something the Russians invented to to destroy American education. (laughs) That is true. He did. Not that that's true. But he (laughs) did say that. He believed it. You know, I mean, really, pretty much anything that drew people's attention away from math he was not fond of so not <laughs> art or or books i think he read one book once and it was on the idea of multiple realities and it was because it was based in mathematics Neat. and yeah he just had no other interests other than his math he had his suitcase his mm-hmm. radio and his math other than math he was really kind of lost remember his mom kind of coddled him Mm -hmm. so he didn't do a lot for himself he was pretty much a babe in the woods when it came to anything outside of math even with the basics yes he never learned to cook nope never learned to boil his own water yeah i mean i can't cook but he took it to an extreme he could make cereal and (laughs) and that's about it i actually make the same joke because i that can't you can cook. make cereal but he was he was serious he didn't butter his own bread until he was 21 and the reason that he did it was because he was at dinner somewhere with a large group of people uh-huh. and he was ashamed to admit that he couldn't butter his own bread so he says well i'll 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 try it i'm not gonna say anything i'll and just give it a try I'll just give it a try and then he was shocked to see how easy it was to butter his own <laughs> bread i wouldn't be surprised though if after that time he never did it again well why would you if someone else is gonna do it for yeah, you yeah we'll find a lot of instances in a bit about things he could have done for himself but he just <laughs> kind of chose not to uh actually for example there i know there was one story There was one mathematician he became very good friends with. I think his last name was Graham. 
And Graham knew he liked grapefruit. Mm-hmm. So what he would do is he would keep the fridge stocked with grapefruit for when him. When he knew it was coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he would show up randomly. And so he would he would keep grapefruit in the kitchen uh-huh. for him in the fridge. And so <laughs> rather than getting up in the morning and getting himself a grapefruit and cutting it up himself, mm-hmm. Erdish would go and wake this guy up <laughs> and say, hey, so... Is there grapefruit? And he'd be like, yeah, you know, it's in the fridge. Go go look in the fridge and go get it. <laughs> so he'd go and get it. And then just to kind of be a troll, he knew better. But he would take a butter knife and try and cut the grapefruit up with it. And I mean, come on. If you know, that if you've not ever gonna tried work. to cut a grapefruit, yes, there's no Any way. Any citrus. Right. There's no way a butter knife is going to make it through. So he's, 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 he's stabbing, stabbing this thing and squishing it and there's <laughs> juice going everywhere. And he would do this until his friend would just give up and say, give it to me and cut it up for him. I wonder how many friends I could go to their house. Like if I went to your house <laughs> and I love Topo Chico, I go over there and you are nice and you have Topo Chico for me. That's true. I do get it for you. And so if I constantly, if it was something, like if I was <laughs> trying to open. open Topo Chico with, I don't know what, with a butter knife. A hammer. Like, a hammer. <laughs> it's a glass bottle. You know? <laughs> I would definitely make you cease and desist. <laughs> Stop. I'll open your stupid Topo Chico. Here, don't touch it again. And I would never get you another one, though. That's the difference. I would continue to get you them. You know, food prep wasn't the only thing that he didn't learn right away. No. No, he was actually 11 before he tied his shoes for the first time. Okay. Even as an adult, sometimes he would still stick his foot out and ask people to tie his shoe for him. See, again, he learned at 11, which, yes, he's a late bloomer Uh there, but he knew how to do it and he wouldn't. Please tie my shoe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, I just stick his foot out. Well, yeah, he's becoming a hazard. It seems he quickly learned that if he became a hazard, he could get people to do things for him. In addition to not dyeing his own shoes or cutting his own grapefruit, the same friend who would cut his grapefruit for him would sign his name on his checks and deposit them for him because otherwise he wouldn't deposit his own money, which we knew he was going to give away. how would he pay his, his prizes? <laughs> right. How would he pay his prizes? And not only would he not cash his own checks. Didn't the guy say that if Erdish signed his own check at this point, the bank wouldn't recognize yeah. it as... Yeah, because he had signed it for so long. This is one of his very close mathematician friends and, and sort of took care of him. I think they called him like, they called people who did this, who looked after him, Uncle Paul Sitters, which tells you how much they had to take care of him. And how much they also loved him. Yeah, it's both. But in addition to not taking care of his own monetary affairs, he didn't really know how to navigate social circles. Uh-huh. He he would try. I think he knew, right, that not everyone wanted to talk about math. Yeah. And so he would take a stab now and then at asking about things that were not math related. Mm-hmm. Right. He'd try and be, I guess, personable. <laughs> and the problem was he never remembered the answers. So he would ask the same questions <laughs> over and over again. So, for example, he'd be served rice and he would say, 
well, what is this? And how do you prepare it? But remember, he never cooked for himself. So it's not like that's useful for him to have. And the next time he was served rice, he would ask the same questions (laughs) all over again. But I feel this because I get nervous in social situations. Mm -hmm. I don't like making small talk, but I do my best. And sometimes you're running off adrenaline at that point when people are talking to you and you're just responding <laughs> you're back to them. going, <laughs> how do you make rice? <laughs> right? It's like a fight or flight thing. And you just say the things and you just make your small talk. People have said that they think I'm funny and polite, but I don't remember anything afterwards. It's just a black, it's just a blacked out memory. It's like hysterical amnesia. <laughs> And so for all I know, I do this. I meet someone again and I ask them the same questions because I'm just having a blackout moment and I'm just trying to get through it. How polite she is. But why is she asking me the same things? Maybe I should clarify further. And that's when you come in with, also, did you know there is a proof between... (laughs) There's a prime number between N and 2N. (laughs) Mic drop. (laughs) While we look for some more questions to ask so that we don't seem awkward in conversations, let's take a quick break. So many mathematicians, so little time. How will you decide which one you'll collaborate with next? Find your plus one tonight with Adder. We've got an infinite number of real, talented mathematicians all looking to solve your proof tonight. Quickly and easily glance over each mathematician's areas of interest with our simple profiles. Like what you see? Swipe the plus to add them to your queue. Think they're an absolute zero? Swipe the minus sign to get rid of those trivial beings. Friday night's almost here. Whose doorstep will you show up on? Now let's talk about a couple other non-mathy things that he enjoyed. He loved the idea Mm-hmm. of driving not driving itself but no the idea the idea of driving i'm like that i hate driving but mm-hmm. i see people driving in commercials but those like 1960s commercials like where the they top. have yeah and you have the a woman handkerchief has the, correct that <laughs> over is, your hair yes and and it's sunny she's got those cool shades on mm-hmm. right i like the idea of driving also <laughs> so but because, of course, he, he didn't take care of himself and the Uncle Paul sitters, they would drive sure. him all over the place. So he would always, in the car with people, he would ask what street they were on just to know. What street are we on? What street is this? Look at that. You know, you can, now imagine you're driving. Are we going the right way? Yeah. And so he pestered one woman who was driving him so much and she was a new driver. Oh, no. And she, you know, she, yeah. So he, he pestered her so much. And just got her so nervous that she actually hit another car due to the distraction. Oh, no. She, he totaled her car but with that nonsense. So she said she was never oh, going to drive with him again. I would again. do the same. I'm a nervous driver. <laughs> I was a late bloomer when it came to driving. And it makes me very nervous to have anyone in the car with me because I feel like they're judging me. Oh, I feel the same way. So if someone was constantly, what road are we on? I don't know. The GPS says Watch what the road. Watch the GPS right there. You can read it. Right. Are we going the right way? Are we making a right now? Make a right. I would be so nervous. I would probably do the same thing. Or I would pull over and tell him to get out. <laughs> and I would Walk send home. someone else to pick him I up. I can't believe she crashed that car. That I just can't believe she crashed that car. Well, you know, it doesn't surprise me that he would ask what street they were on because apparently towards the end of his well you know i don't even know if it was towards the end of his life but at some point mm-hmm. he 
badly needed cataract surgery. Probably after his glasses broke. <laughs> right. Well, remember, he said he, he couldn't did. see out that right. eye. Mm-hmm. So around the same time he broke his glasses. And had this these shards of glass near his eyeball. Right. He knew he needed to go have cataract surgery, mm-hmm. but he put it off for years. Jeez. Years, because he knew it would require some downtime. I, I think only like a week. Yeah, and but that would keep him from traveling around and working with mathematicians, and he wouldn't have that. He was practically blind in the one eye, clearly, mm-hmm, from the mm-hmm. glasses story, before he was finally convinced to go in mm-hmm. and get cataract surgery. Get this. Mm-hmm. So he's sitting there. Sure. He, he is there. Getting this his surgery. Is, this isn't one of, yeah, this isn't one of the prep meetings this where is, they tell you what's going to happen. He is there in the show chair. Time. Yeah, they're, they're deadening the eye so uh-huh. that he, they can get started. And he starts to pick a fight <laughs> with the surgeon <laughs> because he goes, well, you're only working on the one eye. Why can't I read a mathematical journal with the other eye while you're working? And they're like, no, sir, you can't. We need you to just close your eyes and, you know, or do whatever it is you're going to. He's like, no, I don't understand. You're only follow the logic. You're only doing one eye. Why? And he was so belligerent about it that they actually ended up, they panicked and they ended up calling the Memphis math department, which was close by to where he was getting the surgery. And they said, Please connect us to the math department and and please will you send over a mathematician to talk math with him because he will not sit still for the surgery unless there's someone sitting there talking it out with him. How ridiculous is that? That's the best. When I got my LASIK surgery, mm-hmm. I wish I had thought of this because <laughs> I was on the on the table or whatever it was, yeah. and they're getting ready to do this. I'm, I'm shaking because I'm so scared. I'm like, what mm-hmm. if I never see again? I yes. don't know. Like all these thoughts were running. Also, the room was really cold, and so I didn't. All they did was give me two stress balls, and they were like, "Here, just squeeze these." You got a stress ball? Uh huh. Two. I did not get anything. One for each hand. You know, someone also told me that when they got LASIK, they got. They got a chill pill, essentially, you, to yeah, take. They I told, did not get one. They told me when I went there and I told them I was nervous. They were. They said, why didn't you tell us the first time we would have given you a prescription? I was... That was never offered. Okay, I have to say, we're a lot of things, but um, calm. No. You know, we're, we're kind of high strung, I think, <laughs> both of us in our ways. <laughs> we are probably the prime candidates for a chill pill <laughs> at any time. Not even necessarily during they got surgery. Mad at me because I didn't tell them that I I was going to be nervous. Well, I feel you. Either way, I would have liked to have someone talking to me so I wasn't focused right? on yeah what they were doing to my eyes while I was awake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Another time, he was in the hospital for a heart attack, mm-hmm. and they had to move him to a bigger room because he was holding three different conversations with three different groups. Of mathematicians? You know they have a limit on how many people can visit You think once. he cared? Come on right? now. It's true. When the doctors came in, mm-hmm. he sent them away because he said, I'm busy. I'm doing math. Come back later. And they did. They're just, all right, then. Peace. I want whatever he has 
to just send people away because at work I could look busy. I could be writing something down, typing with the other hand, headphones Headphones on, on, someone in there clearly meeting with me, the conference button lit up on the phone and someone's still knocking at my door, looking in the window, asking if they can come in. Could I just, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) Just for one second. No. Again, like the plane, I don't want to talk to you right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have to interject here because... My favorite story of his ill health, since Uh we're going down that very morbid road. So apparently he was teaching. Uh Uh-huh. He was actually at his job. Mm -hmm. He did not have his... Superhero cape on. (laughs) Right. His assistant wasn't running in to stand by him. So he's up at the blackboard. He's working some problem. And all of a sudden he passes out. Oh, my gosh. Falls flat on the floor. I'm picturing in a giant auditorium. Auditorium. Mm -hmm. Boards everywhere. His pulse is low. His heart beats low. People are panicking. Oh, my gosh. They're going, oh, my gosh. You know, is he okay? What's wrong with him? Security's trying to calm people down and filter them out so that Uh they can get a look at him. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, no. He comes to. And he has a mic on because it's a giant room. And he goes, no. Tell them not to leave. I have two more problems left to tell them, which I just love it because I think every instructor I've ever met uh, is like, this. Yes. wait, I have five more minutes of class yes. time. I can remember once I was working at a school mm-hmm. and we, for some reason, the fire alarms were going off more regularly than they should have. Uh-huh. We're not talking a ton, not every day, but regularly yeah. enough to be annoying. Right. And one day it and went... And you know it's so loud. It is, and it disrupts class and all these things. But one day it went off, uh-huh. and we all go out, and we're wondering what's taking so long before they give us the all clear to go back in, because mm-hmm. we figure it's a fire drill. Well, it wasn't a fire drill. Something something in the pump room went off, mm-hmm. whatever. It sent it set the alarm off for real. Mm-hmm. We found out later that there was an instructor who decided to just ignore it and keep on teaching and <laughs> told all our students to just just stay in, just stay here. I'm gonna just teach on through it's it. It's fine. And she had no idea oh my gosh. that it was you know, if it was serious, and it was, it was not, it was not just practice. It was practice. not a joke, yeah. yeah. it was not a drill. And she just taught on Man. through it. So I think he'd like her. <laughs> <laughs> kind of talking about, not the negative points of his personality. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't classify them as negative. I would say he's dedicated. Yeah. But he was so dedicated to math that actually the last, I think something like 25 years of his life, he ended up taking 10 to 20 milligrams of benzedrine slash Ritalin. <laughs> and he would supplement that with strong espresso and caffeine tablets. Oh my gosh. You know, he he really liked to say mm-hmm. that a mathematician is a machine for turning coffee into theorems. <laughs> so we know his standpoint uh-huh. on coffee beans. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it was it was incredible. He really and this was all for the pursuit of math, right? So he could stay yeah. up longer and have more attention on math. You know, we talked about how his friends really liked him. They cared about him a lot. Sure. And one of them was getting kind of worried about him and so his friend Because of his drug habit. Right. Because yeah. that's intense and it was a drug habit he was not being prescribed this for anything no special yeah and so once a friend bet him five hundred dollars that he couldn't give up the drug habit for a month Mm -hmm. did he make it he did 
Wow. Cold turkey. Cold turkey. Wow. So then he rolls up to his friend's house and he tells him, well, you proved to me that I'm not a drug addict, but you just set math back a month. <laughs> Be it on your head. So he said, I don't have a problem. I've proved it. Mm-hmm. But thanks. <laughs> not only did he, they set math back a, a month at that point. Mm-hmm. He kind of knew, right? Mm-hmm. He knew it wasn't good. Yeah. He knew he shouldn't be taking all these drugs, but right. he had no, he had absolutely no desire to stop doing it. Mm-hmm. It helped him to do his work. But there was an article published about him once. I think it was by the author of the, the same author who wrote the book mm-hmm. that we mentioned. And the author said, what, what did you think about it? Because he's a friend of his. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, you know, I liked it, but you should have left out the part about the drugs because I don't want kids thinking think, yeah. yeah that they need to do that in order to succeed which right again so again. I learned yeah I learned something negative about him that makes me go eh maybe he wasn't as great as we thought and then he comes out with something insightful again this like heartwarming <laughs> right even though it's you know it's not okay for me really but I'm gonna do it anyway uh-huh. but you definitely should not do this so I think that's really interesting. Oh, you know, I didn't think about this before. What's that? But he was in the ideal state a lot of the time. He Awake. Awake. He right? is the quintessential 20th century Pythagorean. Man, I did not realize when we structured this that Erdish was going to be the one who wrapped up both Pythagoras and, and Hypatia. Hypatia. But <laughs> when he was in this ideal state, he he used it so that he could travel from continent to continent looking for mathematical talent and colleagues who he could do math with. So he would just show up on doorsteps and he would he would essentially use them up uh-huh. and then move on to the next one. He would stay with one for a little bit and then move on to the next <laughs> one. And he expected that other people would be able to be just as devoted as he was. In fact, if he wasn't with them, if he wasn't showing up on their doorstep, Uh there's at least one story where he called someone at 5 a.m. because there was just some piece of important mathematical information he needed to share. First of all, he was on the East Coast and he called them in California. But second of all, I feel that Mm -hmm. because... When inspiration strikes, mm-hmm. I always want to share it immediately, probably much to the chagrin of both you and my husband, because <laughs> you guys are frontline. Because I don't have as many friends as Erdish. While I admit, if I leave my phone somewhere for a little bit, I'm guaranteed to have several texts from you that I haven't Some checked when I come memes. back. <laughs> but I think he was a little bit more demanding than you were. Just a, just a touch. I will endeavor not to aspire to be him. Okay, good. I'm glad. <laughs> you know, in one interview, though, he talks about how another mathematician went to places like Indonesia and the Fireland, right? Tierra del Fuego, right? Mm-hmm. But there wasn't much math there. So he wasn't interested? So he wasn't interested. He rarely goes any place where there's no math. Like, first of all, the SAS. But <laughs> to label but a he country says, is having no math. No math. How dare you? I guess it's not showing up in the Rick Steves book, right? right? It doesn't have its own math tab. Right. Oh, it'll have a scale. So you'll have little pluses for how mathematical your country is. <laughs> or may- Yes, yes, yes. I just got that joke. <laughs> it's like little pluses 
Maybe it was, oh, it's a math symbol. Ah. It, the most basic, because those are the only ones I know. <laughs> Infinity symbols. Too uh, advanced. But, you know, he, what he said, right, was before I leave, I hope to visit Japan. Before he leaves, before he dies, right? Oh, right, leaving meant Leaving is dying. dying. So before I leave, I hope to visit Japan. Mathematically, it's very interesting. So I guess it's like a, a 10 plus on the Rick Steves mathematical All scale. All the way, yeah. What exactly is so mathematically interesting. I don't know. I would need to really think about it because... Maybe I need to do some research before we come back for our last episode. So we've talked about a ton of interesting stories with Erdish. Next time, we'll conclude by talking about some more of his adventures being a house guest. In Mathmagic Land. In Mathmagic... And also, more of the ways in which he was a teacher. Join us next time. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Infinitely Irrational. For more fun, the research and math behind this episode, visit us on the web at www.infinitelyirrational.com. This episode was edited by Mathematical Expressions. This episode was written and narrated by Mathematical Expressions and Kay. Research for this episode was compiled by Kay. See you next time. <laughs>